Hey guys, welcome to a bonus episode of the Scripture Study Project. In this episode, we recorded our Facebook Live discussion for the SALT gathering that we did about a week and a half ago. You can still go to their Facebook page and catch the video of it, as well as a whole bunch of other resources that they have up there. Um, it was a little bit weird for us to be in front of a video camera as well as the microphone, but we recorded it because we get a whole lot of questions about scripture study techniques and habits and skills. And uh, in this episode, we discuss those at length and in depth. How do you become a more regular scripture studier? How do you make it a habit? How do you get more out of your scripture study? How do you make it more personal? So we did not edit this episode down a whole lot, so it's a little bit longer than a traditional episode, but it's hopefully has some uh, ideas and tips for you that will improve your scripture study. So dive in and we will see you in a couple of days with another study of the New Testament. Thanks. to start first was we introduce ourselves oh, or is oh yeah we're i'm krista horton i'm zach horton <laughs> and we have a podcast called the scripture study project and i i think we should at first just say that there's by no means that we think that we are the experts i think we just started this podcast because it was like we started last year, so we have a whole ep- year of Book of Mormon episodes this year where we are following along with the New Testament and Come Follow Me curriculum. Um, but we just started because we wanted there to be more talk on the scriptures and our belief that um, that scriptures are really the connection to God and to like fueling a spiritual life. So um, we're excited to be here to answer some questions because there were so many great questions, um, but definitely we're excited to just kind of create the conversation because we know we don't have all the answers, of course. So, oh, and now we're getting some comments from people. Oh. So there we go. We've got a few friends joining us. So thanks, everyone. Hi. Um, so first, we just wanted to start with that. Um, our study tips that we, that I, that we put up on, um, I put them up on my feed over at the Scripture Study Project, and Elise put them up at the Salt Gathering. And I wanted to emphasize these points. And one thing I hope that maybe some of you notice that none of these points um, have anything to do with like finding a theme or finding um, marking scripture marking methods or those type of tips. Even though I definitely do subscribe to those, and I believe in those. But I think the most important thing, um, especially when you are in a rut and needing help with your scripture study, that um, you kind of just need to change your mind, shift your mind a little bit yeah. about what you're doing. Well, that's kind of your big thing, too, is you're all about the getting rid of the shoulds of what scripture study should be. Mm-hmm. Because I think, uh, especially if you've had any experience in the church you grew up with, well, it it needs to be, I need to read the Book of Mormon every single day, or I need to do this every single day. And, and none of those are bad, Yeah. but sometimes they can be overwhelming to have so many shoulds that it feels kind of daunting to start scripture study. And mm-hmm. so if you can throw all of that out the window and just view scriptures as the tool to help you grow closer to God and have a better life, and especially if you can view scriptures not as the ends of your the goal isn't to study scriptures every day. Mm-hmm. The goal is to come closer to Heavenly Father and to become more like the Savior and to have a happier life. And scriptures are the tool that help us get there. And so if you can throw out all the shoulds about what scripture study should be 
and just start with what do I, what could I do with my scriptures that would really help me come closest to God and, and have a happier life and, and make a happier life for my family mm-hmm. um, is a good place to start. Yeah, and that is the first scripture study tip that we shared. And then number two, I think, sinks right into this. I tried to kind of like break down those walls, like Zach was just saying, and understand and believe that the scriptures are a tool to help us draw close to God. I think when we create these barriers about like, I have to know so much about the the background or the context. And again, those things are so great, but they are not the reason that we're there, right? We are there to to draw closer to God and to gain revelation through the scriptures. I think there's kind of a, an idea in the church that when I have quote unquote deep, should do the video, deep scripture study, it's that I'm learning, I'm gaining all these cool insights about the scriptures. I'm learning more mm-hmm. about Nephi or look at all these cool cross-references I found or look at this list that I made or I found this great, you know, historical thing or this quote from a general authority. Or, And again, none of those are bad, but that's, again, not the point of scripture study. None of the prophets wrote the scriptures so that you could learn more about them or have cool insights. And especially the Book of Mormon, Nephi is pretty ob- open in saying we aren't good at writing. Our point is to bear testimony of the Savior and to tell you our witness of him. And so deep scripture study really is the kind of scripture study that changes your life and, and uh, changes the way that you think and you feel and you act and, and the kind of person that you are. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly the third point. Come to the scriptures to learn about God and about yourself. I really love, um, I heard this from a Christian author and she just said, you know, the point of scripture studies in her opinion was to draw, um, like to understand how God works with his people. That's what the scriptures are. They're this history of how God has dealt with his people through the years. And now that you are here, you get to learn from those experiences and then create your own as you study their experiences. And I like looking that about, it's a broader view of who God is and what he has done in history of the world. But now you're here to create your own story. And so learning about God how he deals with his people, and you're one of his his people. And so he wants to you to know who you are, and he wants to communicate with you. Um, so yeah, that's the third one. Do you have anything? You already said stuff about I've that. said too much already. <laughs> um, and then I think that that last one, I like these little floating things coming up. Someone's it's mad. Cool. Someone's like crying. Someone's mad, and the mad floated right up my nose. <laughs> um, anyway. The fourth one, don't overcomplicate your study method. Um, we'll get, oh, thanks, lots of <laughs> Don't overcomplicate your study method and focus in on, like, forget the guilt. Um, just that. Don't overwhelm yourself. And I know that has been a lot of questions, which I'm, we'll get to that, but maybe we can kind of answer it a little bit, is how do I know what to study? Do I study Come Follow Me? Or do I study... Um, the Book of Mormon, like we're taught to study, or should I be studying topically or reading through? Um, And I think, like, again, I think this is another personal revelation that can be important is find out what you think God wants you to study. I found that my, for me personally this year, like I have really focused in on the New Testament, but there are some days where I I want to do other things. Mm -hmm. So I, I think... I think for me, my personality that's been part of breaking down those walls is realizing that like it's okay to not have a regimented scripture study because I'm kind of free free floating like that a little mm-hmm. bit. But okay. And then the last one was set it as a priority and make it a habit. <clears throat> so 
You probably have something to say on that one. Well, I think that's a good segue into, as we were reading through a lot of the questions, Mm -hmm. it seemed like they kind of fell into two categories. A lot of the questions were along the lines of, um, I don't know, I want to be in a regular habit of scripture study, but I don't know how to do that. Or I have a difficult time being consistent. Or, you know, I read for a couple of months and then I forget to read and then it, it goes weeks and months before I'm reading again. So that was the first kind of genre of questions that a lot of people had was how do I how do I how do I do it how do I do it every day how do I make it a consistent consistency a yeah. consistent uh, study the second question is once I do it how do I make it meaningful how do I get something out of it um, so we wanted to kind of address both of those and uh, we've got a lot of the questions here um, I don't know if you want to read any of them or if we well I think you start with um, kind of what we we talked about or well, do we wanna... let's talk about the, the routine stuff first. Oh, like, okay, yeah. We've both been geeking out about the book, The Power of Habit, um, Power of Habits. And uh, it's, it's a it's a great book, highly recommended. Um, I've been kind of fascinated with the topic of like training your brain and um, using your brain instead of letting your brain use you for the past, I don't know, a couple of years even. So this book is, is really fascinating to me. But uh, one of the ideas that the book introduces is how to a simple way for how to create a habit. Um, and it's just a three-step habit loop. You identify a cue. Um, that cue triggers a behavior that then brings a reward. And the reward reinforces the behavior. So the next time the cue happens, you want that you go through the behavior again because you're anticipating the reward. Now, the negative side of this is, you know, addictions and habits that we don't want, and they reinforce themselves um, but you can use that habit loop to your benefit. So thinking about scripture study, one answer we would have to a lot of the questions of how do I make it consistent is uh, you have to make scripture study a habit. And so those three steps are really beneficial. Step one, find a cue, something that happens every single day without fail. Um, you know, for some people, it's I wake up in the morning. Um, that for some people is the should. I should read in the, in the morning, but I don't. And so get rid of that should. Just find the cue that works for you. Uh, dinner. Everyone eats dinner every single day. So make that your cue or a lunch or, a, um, I don't know, drive to work or something that happens every single day. Make that your cue. And the first couple of times you do it, you're going to have to think through the habit of, okay, now that I've eaten my breakfast, I'm going to sit down and read my scriptures. The tricky part is in order for that to become a habit that you do without thinking about it, you have to have a reward that reinforces the behavior. Um, scripture study can and should bring some naturally occurring rewards, which we'll get to in the second, in our answer to the second kind of genre of questions. Um, but if it doesn't right away, then find some find some reward. Find something to reward yourself with. Um, I, I teach teenagers for a living, and a lot of them will talk about how they'll withhold something that they really want to do until after the scripture study and use that as the reward. So... I think that's been something that um, Jess has talked about here too, to a lot of what she does too, mm-hmm. is like, and I know a lot of people do this, but it's harder, easier said than done. Right. right? The, like, don't get on social media. Don't um, look at your emails. Don't do anything else. I find that that's really effective mm-hmm. too. I Save think that's that. a good way to, um, to reward yourself. Right. I guess. So it's a good place to start. If you don't have natural, if you're not having the kind of scripture study that brings natural rewards, then find some other kind of reward. And what that does, it'll start to reinforce that loop so that every time the cue happens, you start and you'll find yourself more and more, um, just without even thinking about it, studying the scriptures. 
Uh, so for me, one of my cues is I ride the train to work every morning, and that's my cue. I get on the train, and the first thing I do is I pull out my phone and I I study my scriptures on my phone, either you know a personal study or something for the podcast or whatever. Um, I'm trying to alter that habit um, because I want to make it a more personal study, and so I'm trying to do some things there. But the the habit is already in place. It's it's so built in that without even thinking about it, I sit down and the first thing that happens is I pull out my phone and I open up Gospel Library app. Um, and because I've done it so often, it's ingrained in me just like, you know, any other habit. And something I've noticed, I know a lot of, there were some questions about like, you know, how do we know when to read a conference talk or when to, I think that's why I say erase the guilt. Like I found myself saying, um, oh, all I did was listen to a conference talk today. I didn't read my scriptures and I'm usually an, an early morning study person. That's my chosen preferred time to study. But I found that like the reward is so great that when I sleep in or I don't get it for, get to fit that in for some reason that I still want to come back to it. And I think as, as God sees that we are so willing to put him in our lives, then the reward becomes even greater Mm -hmm. because I have greater, I remember a time, um, I think I've talked about this on maybe on the podcast and but I'm not sure that I went through a time where I was like not getting anything out of my scripture studies and really struggling. And I decided that I was just going to commit myself to every morning. I think I had a baby. I was nursing quite early in the morning. And so I would just make sure I read a conference talk every day. And through that, like I was, the reward became so great. And I was so like, at first it was just simply me saying like, I am going to do this. And I, I'm just going to do it, even though I didn't know what the reward was. But the, the reward came because I um, began to see that there was like, I was like, oh, I want to check out what this scripture story is that this, that this conference talk is about. Or I want to like learn more about this. Or while wow, that felt really good to have that, um, to have that in my life. And it, it led me to the scriptures, which for me, it's like, yeah, prophets and apostles, that's what their job is, is to lead you closer to God and and to Jesus Christ and the scriptures. So that for me um, was really rewarding. And I, th- I think just as we do those small things, scripture study will become easier. Because I can say for me, like I'm, I'm not nearly the, the scriptorian that he is, but um, I just believe that there's so much strength and goodness that comes from scripture study and not necessarily a certain format, but just that you are showing you're showing up for God and you're giving him room in your life that he is ready to like open the gates of here's what you need to do. And it really does. I was actually in with a group of women. We were talking about this, like what is the one thing that women need more of in their lives? And, and I can say men too, but we were specifically thinking about women and it was all about that. Mm -hmm. It was all, it all came down. I mean, we had tons of things written all over. What is it? What is it? And it always came back to like, women need more personal time with God. And that comes from the scriptures from personal, through personal revelation and prayer. And those things can just be, yeah. I had a colleague of mine a couple of years ago that did his doctoral dissertation on what, um, seminary students feel contributes most to their spiritual experience in seminary. And so he uh, asked them to evaluate their, their, whether or not they felt the spirit to what degree they felt the spirit in a seminary class, and then asked them to report on the activities they did in that class. They felt led to the spirit. And so it was everything from uh, the opening hymn to object lessons and Mormon messages and teacher stories and PowerPoints and everything. 
And the results were really shocking because it was not some of the things that we would normally associate with a seminary experience. It had nothing to do with the teacher. That wasn't even in the top 10 was, you know, teacher stories or teacher's jokes or teacher's perspective. None of that was there. Um, it was also nothing about object lessons or the videos. The number one contributor to whether or not a student felt the spirit in seminary was reading the scriptures out loud in class. And that I surprised him and surprised me as I was listening mm-hmm. to it. Um, uh, but I've noticed as I've tried to do that more often in class, there's a real power in just slowing down and reading the scriptures uh, and the way that they kind of transform your life. So That's true. We can go to a lot of external sources before we just go to the scriptures. And, you know, a lot of these things, it's like we just overcomplicate what we're supposed to do. Even sometimes I'm like, let's not call it, follow it, come follow me. Why don't we call it like... Oh, there's, there's more comments. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. We're doing that in our group. No social before spiritual. Yeah. I love that. Love it. Erase the guilt. New, New motto for life. That's right. Mm, I'm going to do that too. Um, yes. Okay. That's that's exactly Jessica's saying that here. Agree. And eventually the study itself becomes the reward. I think as you practice and you feel what that revelation feels like, um, revelation becomes just a part of who you are the more that you like show up for God in maybe in the hard times. Cause sometimes it's really hard to start a habit. Um, but I can't remember what I was going to say. Should we get to maybe yeah, some so, specific questions? Well, the oh. second, the second question. So that was all about how do I make cons- uh, scripture study more consistent? Um, we talk a lot. <laughs> that's, why we, that's why we do a podcast. Um, like what? It's already been that long. The second genre of questions is people asking, how do I get more out of my scripture study? And this one's probably a little bit more common um, that people feel like, yeah, I read the scriptures, or I try and read the scriptures, but when I do, it's kind of hit and miss when I get something out of it. Sometimes a scripture study is really good. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes I'm in a book or a block or, that I love, and it's easy to have spiritual experiences. And sometimes I'm, you know, in the Pauline epistles, which I love, but a lot of people find difficult to have, you know, meaningful scripture study. And so, mm-hmm. Um, this one's my favorite question to answer, and it's it's one that we spend a lot of time talking about together and talking about with other people. Um, and my my, I don't know. I, I guess I start with the testimony that we bear all the time. We we often bear a testimony in the church that we know that God lives or that Jesus lives, but I don't know if we pause to consider what that testimony actually means. If God lives, if He is a living person. Uh, this is an irreverent way to say it, but it means that he does stuff. Someone can quote me on that on the comment board. God does stuff. I'll do it. There you go. Um, but I can't think of a better way to say that. Living people live. They do stuff. They act and they react and they communicate and they talk. And they. And so if we bear testimony all the time that God lives, then we have to be looking for him doing things in our life. And uh, the Savior is a great example. If we know that Jesus Christ lives today, he's probably doing the same things today that he was doing then. Maybe not as visible and, may, and certainly not in his, in his mortal body, in an immortal body now, but, um, but he's teaching, he's healing, he's guiding, he's correcting, etc. The way that God does a lot of what he does is through the scriptures. The most transformative idea that I've come across in my scripture study is when I stop treating scriptures as something that has happened, and start treating them as the current voice of God to me. So the way that looks practically in my studies, when I open up to a block of study, I'm very trained, and we all are, at asking these kinds of questions. What happened in 
this chapter in Romans, that I can now apply to my life? That's a really good question to ask. The better question to ask is not what happened or what did God say that I can rip out of 2,000 years ago and apply to my modern experience in 2019. It's If I really believe that God lives, it means that he can speak to me right now through the scriptures that I'm reading, which changes the question that I ask. It's not what did he say that I can apply. It's what is God saying to me right now? So as I'm reading, I'm going to be paying attention to my thoughts and my feelings, and I'm going to be reading very carefully, waiting for the moment at which that verse or that phrase from the scriptures, or sometimes unconnected scriptures, a thought or feeling comes into my head where God says, now I'm talking to you. And maybe it's a quote from the scriptures. Maybe it's something that Paul says. Maybe it's something that Paul's going through. Or maybe it's, it's as I'm reading Paul, this thought comes into my head that seems unrelated. But that's the way that God talks to us. It's not just something he said 2,000 years ago that he expects us to study now. It's something that he wants to say to us now. Um, and so what, what I've been training myself and training, we've been talking with a lot of people on this is, mm-hmm. um, there are a couple of questions you can ask yourself that force you to read the scriptures as a living document. Number one, dealing with your mind is what does God want me to think or to know right now? So as I'm reading my scriptures, what does God want me to know? What does he want me to think? The second question dealing with my heart. What does God want me to feel? Um, that one takes a little bit more effort, but in my experience is more rewarding. If I'm looking for the verse that makes mm-hmm. me feel something, that's a great moment to pause and say, God wants me to feel grateful right now. God wants me to feel uh, productive. He wants me to feel motivated to change. The third question dealing with our hands and our feet is, uh, what does God want me to do? Um, and that's maybe one of the easier ones to find, Um but also one of the really helpful ones. The fourth one dealing with our immortal spirit is what does God want me to be? What does he want me to become? Those four questions can constitute hours of scripture study. Um, In my experience, sometimes I'll take just one. I'm going to read today and I'm just going to look for what God wants me to feel. So I'm going to read this block. What does he want me to feel? And then I'm going to come back tomorrow. Maybe I'll read the same block. What does he want me to do now? And um, it's incredible. I mean, I've I've just been doing this the last couple of months, forcing myself to not read the past, but read the present. And uh, and it's amazing to feel like my scriptures have come alive and God's talking to me and he's telling me things every day. I want you to know this. I want you to feel this. I want you to do this. Remember yesterday when I told you to do that? Look at this in Romans chapter 4. I'm talking about the same thing and I'm bringing out the same highlights to you and I want you to keep acting on what you were doing yesterday and you haven't done it quite right. It's Anyway, I'm now I'm, I'm too well, excited not making any sense. I, I think that's the perfect example of just making the scriptures a part of our lives. And I think that we had one question. We had a few from Facebook. Um, so the first one is that I have up here. My question is how to really feast on the scriptures instead of just reading. And I think that... In my opinion, that answers, and that's why we wanted to start with, now we're like 25 minutes in, but this, those were kind of our like way of breaking down those walls, getting to these questions, because I think once you shift your mind to think of things in a different way, that is how you feast when you understand. I mean, think of a feast is for you, right? Mm. That is for you, and that is, I think, what feasting actually means. I've never thought of it that way. See? That's why it's so fun See? to learn together. Um 
So Okay, maybe this is when I like I don't know. Do you have one you want to no, look at? Or yeah, you let's, go? let's dive in some um, questions. And if you've got questions, type in the wall. We'll, some we'll of these, all of these I pulled from either Facebook or Instagram today. I've just kind of compiled mm-hmm. a list of them. And um, some of them we've already answered. So we'll just kind of go through and see. What the heck do I study? <laughs> with Mormon let's, let's do, I mean, we kind of talked about that one. So this was from Tressa Stevens on Facebook. She says, what the heck do I do I study? And I've heard that a lot from people. Like there's so many things to study. And that's one thing I know that the seminary system is now going to be in line with Come Follow Me, but I know that's been a struggle for teenagers. Like I have to read so many scriptures because I'm studying this in church. I'm studying this here. And I think again, like study what you feel like God wants you to be studying. I think if is you- that. I think if you start treating the scriptures like a living thing, I think mm-hmm. God tells you what you're to study. You'll be reading. I mean, you're reading Come Follow Me anyway. So you're reading Come Follow Me. But as you're reading, you'll have a moment where you feel like, man, this really reminds me of Alma's story in the Book of Mormon. That's God saying, I want you to go read Alma's story in the Book of Mormon. And so you go I'll and say it. for me, I, I kind of have it a little more programmed out than that. Like, I don't usually have the time to, like, study that deeply. I don't do it right now that, like, where I'm, like, here and then I guess I do a little bit I think of things but um I think I don't know what's your that's it that's it I think study what works you said erase study what the you guilt erase the guilt and also if you are studying in the New Testament because of come follow me um you don't have to be studying that every day I know a lot of people ask us what we do with our kids for come follow me and we do like that's all we've been studying this year is the New Testament and with them especially and all occasionally like go to the book of mormon but that's been that's been my big study and i really felt that personally that i needed to be there so i think i think just erase the guilt and maybe you do one each day or maybe it's easier for you to say i'm going to study the new testament monday tuesday a conference talk wednesday Mm -hmm. that can be helpful too but then again the create um because that's what she says i create a beautiful plan and then i stop being consistent and my goals get messed up and then I just want to stop. I'm totally that type of person too. So I have really found that just taking out the guilt has really relieved all of that tension for me. One of the things I think helps with that is when we're setting up said plan, uh, maybe consider instead of setting a plan for, I'm going to read, we do this all the time, I'm going to read the Book of Mormon in three months or I'm going to finish this. Instead of setting a plan to complete something, set a plan or set a goal to have an experience. Um, and so it may be that you read a verse or it may be that you read a chapter. If you have the plan that I need to complete something, we feel pressured. I only read a couple of verses. I need to read a chapter. I need to read two chapters. I need to read for 15 minutes. But if your goal is to have an experience, I'm going to have an experience with God every single day. And I'm not going to stop until he says something to me. Um, that's a really, that's a goal that's not going to, you know, I think that's one thing that's, I think, been really helpful for me with that too is, like just making sure that prayer is a part of your of your morning routine along with the scripture study because I think that's where that um, maybe that revelation can come in. Because sometimes for me, it's like, I'm going to listen to this while I do yoga. Or, you know, I, I just, I think that any scripture study is good scripture study. And I have found that as I make that time for those small moments, even if it is just listening, that the next day I'm like, I have to read this because I love what this said and I want to study it more deeply. So I like this one. Um, this is Abby Sharp. I'm a big reader, but I almost never reread books. Uh, I've mm. read the book more many times, so it's hard to get excited about reading the same things. I need to dig deeper, but with a limited time for myself, I don't know how. 
Um, that's probably something a lot of people feel. And as we're coming into the Book of Mormon next year, that's something that a lot of people will feel is how many times we need to read the Book of Mormon. And, mm-hmm. um, part of the answer to that is the things that we've been talking about of um, reading as reading it as a living book instead of a, a, a book from the past. Um, one thing that a, a, a co-worker of mine does with his Book of Mormon study um, and I think he borrows this from President Iring. President Iring, every time he reads the Book of Mormon, he picks one specific focus, and he reads with that focus in mind. So he buys an economy set of the Book of Mormon, economy Book of Mormon, little $3 blue ones. Uh, he'll label it, you know, repentance, and then mm-hmm. he studies his Book of Mormon just focused on that topic. Um, my coworker does something really similar, but instead of picking a topic, he picks something he wants to improve on. He calls it his work, uh, his workbook, the Book of Mormon workbook. So he says, I want to become better at being meek. And so I'm going to study the Book of Mormon, and I'm just going to read for how I can be more meek. And maybe it comes in a sermon, or maybe it comes from an example of a prophet or apostle. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, uh, and so he studies it, writes his notes, and then he labels it meekness and puts it on his shelf. And hopefully in the course of his study, he's become more meek, and then he picks a different. He become more grateful. And so... Yeah, that's, a, that's funny because I think that's the key is just like, mixing it up a little on that. Cause I know I felt sometimes where all I wanted to do was just read through the book of Mormon because I needed, I wanted to understand the storyline better. And so I think that that's it. And again, don't feel. Yeah. Okay. I'll stop talking. No. We'll just move on to the next question. <laughs> we already answered it. I'm not going to say anymore. Uh, this is Stacy Stevens. Uh, I think I just always feel I'm not understanding as well as others automatically do. I feel I get more out of conference talks and such. It's hard for me to grasp sometimes what it's saying to me, and then I feel dumb. I hear you, sister. <laughs> I so I guess that's why I I believe that that those conference talks are there for a reason, and they can they make it so we can understand it. But I think that they will draw you to. They will always draw you to scriptures because that's what this, the prophets teach from. And so that's been my experience. But also, I guess that's why I'm like, no, don't feel like you need to know and feel like you need to be the scriptorian in order to be a part of the scriptures. Because I had that struggle. Originally, this podcast was my idea for him. I thought he was telling me about a lesson he was teaching. And I'm like, people would love to hear this. You should do a podcast because he'd been blogging a little and doing things like that. But I... Anyway, and he's like, I only will do it if you do it. And sometimes I feel I feel really intimidated by by doing this. But my belief is that I want to represent that you do not have to be a scriptorian to connect to God. And that's why we have the scriptures. You do not have to be anyone special for God to speak to you. Um, I just believe that the scriptures are there and we create so many barriers. And maybe it's Satan creating those barriers because he says, if you think that you don't understand this because you don't know the history of Rome, which I don't know, um, but you do. So sometimes I sound more smart than I actually am. But I think that um, we can learn and we can grow, and that's that's what it's all about. And God can help you learn too. I think sometimes we treat scripture study as if it's an academic course. We mm-hmm. approach it the way that we have learned everything else in our life, and that is we read the book and we memorize the facts and we read other books about the topic and we really Which try and certainly deepen it. your study. Certainly. Yeah. Right. And there's a, there's a place for that. There is a place for academic study of the book of Mormon. I really want to understand this phrase mm-hmm. and the, the chiasmus in this chapter and all that's wonderful and it can enhance our study, but that's not the point. That wasn't the point of the scriptural authors. They didn't write it so that you had this deeply analytical and academic experience in the book of Mormon where you came out of it sounding really smart. 
uh, they wrote it so that you knew that they loved God and they loved the Savior and had a witness of him and so that you could come closer to him. I mean, you read the Book of Mormon. They are, here's a fun study. You want something to do? Uh, this next time through the Book of Mormon, grab whatever color or box or whatever way you mark and just make note of every time a Book of Mormon author states what their purpose is in writing what they write. Nephi does it right in the first chapter. At the very end of the first chapter, he will say, this is my purpose for writing. And he speaks to you. Mormon does the same thing when he picks up writing. Merlonai does it. Um, Jacob does it. All of the major authors in the Book of Mormon. And it's all really, really similar. And it has nothing to do with academic study. It has nothing to do with making us feel smart or, or you know, sounding great in, in a gospel doctrine class. It's all this personal helping us come close to the Savior. So. Yeah. So I think the one I want to I want to talk about. There were a couple, um, and I know Jess mentioned this one, um, and then we had another one. How do I go about searching for answers? And then. Okay, these questions from Jess. You mentioned in one of the first episodes of our podcast, it's good to read with a specific question in mind and then search for answers. Like, what techniques are we using to do that? And the same one, how do I go searching for answers? Do I do I do the, okay, this is my question. <laughs> do I think of a question and flip to a page? Throw open the book mm -hmm. and see what happens. Um, That's a really good question. Yeah, so maybe making that practically. I think we've given you maybe hopefully some tips to like, break those those walls down so that you can know what you're searching for but i think i think first you might have a better answer to this one because well, i know this is one of your <laughs> well it's only because that flipping to a page is one of the most commonly shared testimonies in seminaries I, I was really worried about this and so i just grabbed my scriptures and i opened up and i pointed you know to a verse what, and though? there it was and i am not i think that's like the keys like for little kids yeah, finding yeah. things i really think that is that mm -hmm. is that's a huge testimony builder and there's nothing there is there's nothing no, wrong with that no there's not and it really does happen god works with us wherever we are at. but i've never had one of those should i, I feel dumb i haven't either and i tell my students that should i, I so feel intimidated because I, I have never had that. I've never had a, I, hear, I point to the verse and it's like, and Ahab begat Bethuzel or whatever. And it's like, that didn't help me. But um, it really does happen. I think it's a great catalyst to saying like, God listens to me and he knows me. And here it is. So that can happen. What I've found much more consistent, at least in my study, is if I'm reading in that kind of personal way, what does God want to say to yeah. me? Then whatever I'm currently studying, he directs my attention to the verse or the phrase or the the line or the example or the and if it's not there in the scriptures he puts it into my head you know if the line isn't available in romans chapter five and that's what i'm studying today then he'll put it into my head he'll inspire the thought or it'll come from someone else or i'll bring mm -hmm. this up and we'll talk together and you'll give me the phrase and and so i don't think there needs to be an extra effort to go and search the topical guide for i've got a question on my faith i'm gonna go search the topical guide that you can do that but just open up to what you're currently reading and look with that lens in mind and God will talk. I'm, I'm just, I am, I'm convinced from my experience that God will talk to you through your scripture study today without you needing to go to a thousand different places and study and a thousand different places. I think one of the things is, this is such like a cycle mm -hmm. because I think as you come to God more often with your questions and prayer and scripture and study, you become familiar with with how he's going to teach you and how um, those answers can come to you. Um, let me get my train of thought here. You just lost your, I just lost I did. your train of thought. You right? did. You shouldn't have moved things. Sorry. No, um, I guess the cyclical idea of the study to me is so important because we learn 
that the scriptures are the conduit for revelation. The prophets teach that. I don't have a quote, but I could find many. <laughs> quote yourself. <laughs> um, I got that from someone. Um, someone cool. Um, but I'm thinking of the example of um, that President Nelson he uses often, and this one was specifically in his in his book and maybe in a conference talk where he was in the, a surgery and in his mind he was able to see what he was supposed to do for the surgery and i think that is because well we know it's because he he wasn't reading his scriptures and he saw that it was while he was in action but as you practice revelation and the practice comes in a daily ritual with god mm -hmm. so if we're asking him if we're coming to him for our questions cuz i can guarantee you that that morning or the night before president nelson knelt down and asked God to help him in his, in his job. Mm -hmm. And then he felt that revelation. And then it, it becomes so much a part of who you are that you can't not ask God for those things. Am I making sense? No, that makes uh, President Eyring and Elder Scott talked about this in similar ways where President Eyring would talk about this as his daily conversation with God. I don't know if you ever phrased it that way, but listening to him, that's how it, he would talk about how in the morning he would, he would pray and he would pay very special attention to what he was praying for. Then throughout the day, he had this ongoing conversation with God where he would talk to him and he would read when he had a moment to read, he'd read the scriptures mm -hmm. and God would talk back to him. And then his prayer at the end of the night was thinking back to that morning prayer and thinking back on everything that God did. And he was an incredible journaler, so he would journal a little bit at the end of each day. But his prayer at the end of the day was looking back and saying, this is what we talked about today. Thank you so much for telling me this. I have more questions about this. Tomorrow, could you teach me more about this? And it became, the way that he talks about it, it makes it sound like, man, God was his 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 daily companion. He rode with him to work on his commute, and he mm -hmm. sat with him through work. And now that's present iring, and it's not us yet, but what a goal to have. But it can be us. Right? I think I think that God can be our, our greatest mentor. And if we come to him with the questions, I think that's the key, is coming to him with the questions instead of going to all these other, other sources. Mm -hmm. I love that. What does DK spiritual before before social? Yeah. Because social can mean anything. Like there's so many experts on every topic, especially today. What if you came to God and said, I really want to know? I've had this experience where I'm like, I really want to know how to handle this situation as a parent. I do not know what to do. And for me, that's happened where either I'm pointed to a book that all of a sudden I'm talking with a friend and they give me the answer. You were mentioning this earlier, or I'm pointed to a good source that I feel like God has led me to. And so if we're doing that, or maybe it's just because, I don't know, I think that anyway, scriptures just help the the revelation process and us become more familiar with who God is. Um, I think we're answering most of these. So. Um, the last one that I kind of wanted you to talk about was the teenagers. We've, we got a couple um, questions about um, having a hard time getting teenagers to study Come Follow Me on their own. And then these came from Instagram. How do you get your teens to want to participate and not be apathetic to, to bring or bring contention? Well, so I, I just wanted to, I think this is a question we get a lot mm -hmm. about teenagers. Um, and I think you have a lot of good insights on that. Um, the first thing I would say is is we have to change our study first. Teenagers have zero interest. Okay, that's, that's an overgeneralization. 
98% of teenagers that I've worked with have very little interest in an academic study of the scriptures. So if our scripture study is, hey, sit down because you've got to learn more about Nephi because he was this great guy. and You've got to learn more about Alma and you've got to learn more about Paul. And isn't this great what Paul was? They're, they're done. Before you even start, they're done. Um, there's a great uh, speaker, a member of the church speaker named uh, John Lund that has a, a like a presentation series called How to Hug a Teenage Porcupine that I've loved. My uncle, who's a... Uh, uh, public school principal gave it to me and uh, I loved it because his whole point in his presentation is um, teenagers want very different things than their parents want and often they're completely opposite for example parents want their teenagers to be responsible teenagers want to be free and those two seem like they're in conflict parents want their teenagers to focus on family teenagers want to focus on friends I think you could you could go down that list, and if you've got teenagers in your home, you could make a list a mile long of what you want for your teenagers that probably if you were to sit down with your teenagers, they would go, yeah, I don't want any of that. I want all of this, which seems to be in, in conflict with what you want. I think the key to making scripture study meaningful for teenagers, for helping them become motivated, is you have to understand what they care about. Not what you think they should care about, not what you want them to care about, what they care about. And so we're going to study the scriptures tonight because I really want you to learn how to be more responsible at home is going to go nowhere with them. But we're going to study the scriptures tonight because I know you guys have had a lot of stresses with your friends. And I believe that if we study what Paul says in these chapters, that you can get answers to how you should, how you can make better friends or how you can get, uh, have better relationships mm-hmm. with your friends. I know that you've been really stressed about school right now. And so let's study tonight and see what God says to you about about how to handle school. I'm, I know that you're going through, you know, anxiety or, or depression or um, that you've got friends that are going through that. So let's let's study um, going through and looking for what God says on those things. As soon as you can speak the language of a teenager, um, they light up. They love it. They love you. Um, and one thing I, I, my testimony of this grows every single year I work with teenagers. There is a talk that was given in uh, years and years ago. It's a famous seminary talk called The Charted Course of the Church and Education by President J. Reuben Clark Jr. And one of the highlights of the talk is he says, these youth, and this is 80, 90 years ago, but it applies today. These youth are not spiritually immature. They have rich, pre-mortal and mortal experiences with God. They have an inner hunger to know who God is and to feel loved by him and to love him. Uh, they care about the gospel. They care about living right. They care about, especially current teenagers in the world that we live in right now, they care about other people, maybe more than any group of teenagers that ever cared about them. They care Research about social shows. justice, right? <laughs> they care about uh, fairness. They care about love for everyone. And, and those are things that they should be praised for. So if we can tap into what it is that really that teenagers care about um, and then help them see that the scriptures answer their questions in the same way the scriptures are answering our personal questions. Uh, they, they love it. I think, yeah, that's something that I think is, I don't, I was going to say, don't dumb it down, mm-hmm. but like come to them. They have the answers just as much as we do. Um, just like, don't feel yourself like you're dumb because you don't know an answer to something. You have every right and every amount of access and right to personal revelation and to God speaking to you as, as anyone does. And I think as kids, 
whatever age it is, as they see why you are in the scriptures. And if you know why you're in the scriptures, if you come to your kid and say, hey, you have the best mentor in the world and it can be God, that's why I'm wanting you to study the scriptures. I think give them a very practical why. Show them um, show them the beauty that can be had. I mean, I know that that can be hard because there's going to be some teenagers that, even if you're doing that, are genuinely not going to want to do it. Um, but... But I found even the toughest teenagers. Yeah, you know, the, what, the, what's your, the, you would have the, better The kid that comes into seminary and puts his head down on the back desk and doesn't look up for anything and doesn't mm-hmm. care about anything. Sometimes all it takes is a, an adult that instead of trying to change him, just says, hey, tell me what you're passionate about. Yeah. Or if he won't talk, asking friends and finding out. I um, There's been a teacher on my faculty was talking about... Um, this young man that came into his class every single day, put his head down, didn't care about anything. And uh, he went to, I think it was a it was a lacrosse game or something that the kid played. And overnight, their relationship changed. This kid came to class the next day because his teacher had showed an interest in what mattered to him. Now I'll come to class and and uh, I feel like you care about me and you love me. And, um, of course, if it's teenagers in your own home, if they're your children, they know in their heads that you love them. Um, but I'm on the end of, of them in school. And a lot of times the things that they say about the adults in their life is they feel pressure more than they feel love and understanding. Um, and I know that's hard as parents because you want them to grow and develop and become mm-hmm. something. Um, and I have no experience of raising teenage children on my own. And so this this is to be taken with many grains of salt. But there are so many teenager things that they'll just grow out of. Um yeah, love them through it. Love them through it. Help them I... see that you care about what they care about and that you have a testimony about how they can get answers. I think of Joseph Smith's experience of a really fun study is to read the Joseph Smith story looking, and you have to look between the lines for what his parents did. Um, Lucy mm-hmm. Smith had had multiple visions, uh, dreams on her own. Uh, she had had a Sacred Grove experience on her own. Joseph Smith was uh, a visionary man. He had, I think it was seven different visions that he had had before Joseph's first vision. So Joseph goes to him and says, mom, dad, I don't know which church to join. They could have said, well, let us tell you, son, here's our wealth of experience. But they don't. They don't tell him anything. I wonder if it's Lucy that says, hey, Joseph, you should try, why don't you try James 1.5? And Joseph Mm -hmm. reads it. And then he goes out and then he comes back and says, mom, guess what happened? Um, and mom says, yeah, I know. Cause I know that's what God does. Instead of using the scriptures against your kids, use them as a tool for your kids. Yeah. Show them that they, um, that they're a tool for them and not something that you're going to slam down their throats. Cause it's going to teach them how to love their brother better or whatever that is. Help them see that God wants to talk to them just as much mm-hmm. as he wants to talk to you. Yeah. Um, well, as you can see, folks, <laughs> we were laughing because we're like, I don't know. We just thought the other day, we're like, is it any wonder that we started a podcast? We talk way too much. So, but this has been really fun. So thank you for those who have especially asked the questions that have got this going. It's all about, I believe so strongly that the scriptures are a divine tool that God has put here. For us to draw closer to him. And that's what what the comment here says from Jessica. She says, 
Um, you said in your episode on the tree of life that obedience isn't the goal in and of itself, but that we are be obedient in order to draw closer to Christ. And that's what the scriptures are. And that's what this whole group is about is I just love, um, yeah. I mean, the, the come closer to Christ idea of the group um, is just exactly what we believe so strongly is that the scriptures are a tool to get us closer to a father in heaven, to heavenly parents, to Jesus Christ, who can um, change our lives and help us become better, better people. And that he wants us to be there and wants us to talk to him. So think of where Paul's at in his study and what he goes through. He's been in bondage. He'll be in jail and he's imprisoned and he's beaten and he's mocked, etc. And why does he go through all of that? Because God changed his whole life. Um, and he won't rest until he sees as many other people as possible have that same experience with God. So study your scriptures and let God change you. And then you'll find that teaching other people comes really naturally because all you'll want is to help them have that same experience. Thanks. We're going to close now for reals. And I'm glad we didn't have any more internet trouble. So thank you so much. And we're excited to, to work alongside um, with this group and, and to be here. So thanks for inviting us here. See ya.